Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. I am your host, Ken. I'm joining me in studio as always. It's the co-host. It's Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. And conspicuous by his absence this week is your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy, which rumor has it he's at the NFL Combine doing some scouting for the Giants. I don't know exactly what's going on. We're trying to track him down, so if you hit him up on Twitter, at CoachDuffy11. Maybe you can find out and let us know at OD Parlay Hour. So we're going to just jump right into the land of sports because there's a lot to discuss this week, and we want you to join in that conversation. Hit us up on our social media accounts. You can find all of them at OchoDuroParlayHour.com, and remember to use the hashtag ODPH. Pad, are you a boxing fan? Uh, I mean, I've watched Mayweather-Pacquiao. Wasn't impressed. Watched uh, Mayweather-McGregor. Also wasn't impressed. I think I might have actually fallen asleep partway through that fight. Um, not really. I mean, I respect it and I understand the lineage and the tradition of it. You know, Lennox Lewis, Mike Tyson, Muhammad Ali, you know, you can run through the list of names. I respect it. And I, you know, I, I understand that. And I, I don't necessarily hold reverence to it because I didn't grow up a boxing fan, you know, so I would have to say, yeah, not really. I have always grown up in the boxing. It's always been the sweet science as far as I've been concerned. And, and that's how I've kind of grown up in the era of Tyson and even Sugar Ray Leonard and Roberto Duran. And then the names go on and on throughout history. So boxing, dare I say, has kind of fallen by the wayside behind MMA and mm-hmm. a lot of major culture. Well, I would say, eyes, I would say probably a little uh, some more streamlined uh, martial arts uh, companies. You know, the, the one complaint I've always had for boxing for years is it's confusing as all fuck. Like, you got UFC, for example, you, you got your light, you got one champion at one weight division, champion at another. Like, it's pretty clear cut who's champion, who's not. You might have an interim thing, like, okay, yeah, this guy's technically champion, but this guy's interim champion. Boxing, it's like, oh, who's the champion? Which title? Because there's like 18 of them. Yeah, it's the one question, like I say, major sports fans and pop culture has really, I would say, kind of overlooked boxing past few years. There's only been a few fights that really stood out that really captured the national attention. And what we're going to kick off this week's episode of the sports edition of the ODPH is we want to recap the Deontay Wilder-Tyson Fury fight. Now, in case you're not familiar with what's going on, this has been boxing's biggest heavyweight fight saga, dare I say, in recent memory. Mm, yeah, probably. The first one was... I'd say that one with Canelo and Triple G. Well, yeah, well, that one is not the heavyweight, but, yeah, that definitely right. it has to be in there. But I think Canelo Triple G has been up there as well for the boxing's most anticipated fights because, like Pat has touched upon, it's really fallen behind in some eyes, and it's really not up there with, like, the promotion of the UFC and how mm-hmm. much mixed martial arts has taken over. But boxing still does have a loyal following and a very, you know, passionate fan base. So this weekend was the big rematch between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. So going in with this, the first match, Pad, do you have the results? Yeah, so the first match took place uh, back on December 1st, 2018 in uh, the Staples Center down in Los Angeles uh, between Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury, where it was a split decision draw, uh, 115 to 111, 112 to 114, and then 113 to 113. Yes, which if you saw that fight, Deontay Wilder knocked out Tyson Fury 
late in that fight, mm-hmm. and Tyson Fury sat up like he was the undertaker from the WWE. Very back and forth. Obviously, these fighters had a lot of pride going into this, and when the fight was ruled a draw, definitely raised some eyebrows because mm-hmm. I had Wilder win in that one. So, obviously, when the rematch was planned, this is where the hype had built up. Tyson Fury has one of the best comeback stories in all of professional sports. Mm-hmm. And to see him come back for this big rematch, all eyes were on boxing. And this hasn't happened in a while, I would say. This was yeah. dominating coverage. No, yeah, and it was very controversial. I mean, out of 27 uh, boxing journalists, we're reading from uh, the Wikipedia page for Tyson Fury, Wilder 2, Deontay Wilder 2. Uh, out of 27 prominent boxing journalists, 15 scored Fury as the winner of the first bout. Three scored it for Wilder, and nine scored it as a draw. Right. So, obviously, going into the rematch, a lot of hype, a lot of pageantry. This is where the boxing big fight feel comes from that everybody was talking about. Because, like I say, unless you're a purist of the sport, the Knill Triple G trilogy that is going to happen, I mean, that's the closest we have to it. Mm -hmm. But this is the heavyweight fights. And this is where the heavyweight contenders really take over. And this is where pop culture really gets involved. And what I mean by pop culture is for mainstream fans of sports, this is where those fights stand out. The the younger weight or lower weight classes, should I say, not younger, but the those kind of weight classes don't really get as much shine as the heavyweight division. It's not like in the UFC or mixed martial arts where some of the lighter divisions, like the lightweight division, mm-hmm. really kind of stands out. The heavyweights have always ruled boxing, in my opinion. So this is where this fight has really taken you know, a whole nother level and going on. And this is the first time that we've seen a lot of resurgence in this area because for many years there hasn't been a big superstars. Deontay Wilder has earned that reputation. If you have not seen him fight, he is just a straight-up knockout artist, and he can knock you out at one punch at one moment in any given fight. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you have his record, Stan? Yeah, so he is, uh, before the fight, he was 42-0-1. Right. So going against Tyson Fury. Who is tw- going into the fight was 29-0-1. There was going to be something had to break, something had to give. To see the entrances for a fight, and the closest that you, you could kind of make a, a somewhat comparison to if you're not really familiar, it's like Rocky Four when Apollo Creed came out. Yeah. A big spectacle. Yeah. And just the pageantry going on with that. and just Or WrestleMania if you're a wrestling fan. Yeah, if you're a wrestling fan, you're kind of used to this. This is a WrestleMania moment. So to see how the fighters came to the ring, and I want to make sure we're addressing this point too. Tyson Fury came out with people carrying him to the ring uh, on a throne. Well, because uh, his nickname is the Gypsy King. Right. So, Makes sense. So to see him come out like that was kind of interesting, uh, a little unique, just kind of in a regular boxing robe. Mm-hmm. To flip the coin, Deontay Wilder came out for this one looking like a mix of Iron Man and Shredder. I'll say it looked like, you know, kind of like a punk rock take on a superhero. You know, it almost looked, it almost looked like one of those variant covers you'd see on a comic for like a major milestone issue where if you got a big artist who does a lot of like cover art for a certain band Mm -hmm. or something to that effect and like oh they're a big iron man fan like you mentioned iron man and you you get them to do a a variant cover for the big issue of iron man that's coming up that it looked like something that maybe a punk rock or or maybe like a metal uh band cover would look like it definitely was interesting i mean he was fully deck to toe in a costume. I'll say if he was going for intimidation, I saw the photo. Intimidated the hell out of me. Oh, yeah. No. I mean, Wilder is an intimidating figure in his own right. And for the weigh-ins, too, which we didn't even address, both fighters came in 
very heavy for this fight. Yeah, was, and the thing with the crazy thing with the weigh-ins that I saw, because uh, I saw a video, they did the they did the weigh-ins and then they did the typical stare down, but not the stare down in what you're used to. They had them separated by a rope and security. Yes. Holy crap. Yeah, this was kind of an interesting weigh-in, too, which, I mean, that's why we didn't really lead off with this about it, that the weigh-in was kind of a little separate. I mean, there really hasn't been a lot of trash talk, a lot of animosity. The only thing really notable about the weigh-in is Wilder came in about 15 pounds more heavier than he normally walks around. Say Wilder, uh, 231. Yeah, he came in at 231, but he was a shredded 231. Mm-hmm. To flip the coin... Holy sugar cookies, and I mean that literally. Tyson Fury came in, did not uh, take his shirt off, and weighed in at what, Pat? 273 pounds, and if you're overseas and use the metric system, that's 123.8 kilograms. Yes, that had to be one of his heaviest weights he's ever fought at. It's a big boy. Yes, and that was almost like, I want to say 40 pounds heavier than his original fight. I'll say if I saw the stat right the day of the weigh-ins, because I was scrolling through Twitter while this was going on, it was either his most, the highest weight he's come in at all time or the second highest mm. weight he's come in at all time. Yeah. So, th- like I said, that being said, both fighters came to the ring. The pageantry was there. Mm-hmm. The spectacle, like I said, uh, Wilder had a very unique outfit going on. And where it kind of plays into factor, we'll get it to a little bit later. But the costume was 40 pounds, mm-hmm. to just kind of put this in perspective. As the fight goes on, it's a very almost seemed like a one-sided fight to me. Mm-hmm. Very back and forth, and then we have the end result, Pat, and that was what uh, Fury knocked out uh, Deontay Wilder in the seventh round. Yeah, it was a stoppage. Uh, F- Wilder's corner threw in the towel mm-hmm. at one stage. Wilder definitely was taking some very bad shots, and he was definitely. I want to say he didn't look right. I'll say I, I did. Well, like I said, didn't see the fight. Saw the photos of what he looked like, you know, in the later rounds and at the end of the fight. Uh, the man did not look well. No, he definitely did not look well. And there was a lot of, you know, very questionable reasons why the fight was stopped. I thought they made the right decision because Fury was just on point for his fight. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was definitely landing more shots. I was originally saying, and I said this on last week's uh, round of the bases, I thought this was going to be Wilder all day. Well, and I, you know, didn't have a, a horse in the in the race. I, you know, pick your your saying. But just looking at it Saturday when I was hanging out with my girlfriend and looking through Twitter, and knowing that Fury came in at two seventy three, like super overweight of what he normally fights at. And then there was a video I saw, which you might be able to find it if you dig on Twitter enough, where it was a side-by-side shot of the two fighters in their locker rooms. And you had Deontay Wilder, who's doing stretches and doing stuff that like made my spine hurt. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side, you've got Tyson Fury. I think he was wearing a crown on his head or something, and is just dancing and having fun. And, I, and in my head, I'm going, he's not taking this seriously. He's coming more overweight than what he normally is he's goofing off i said if he i'm not gonna be surprised if he gets knocked out yeah it was definitely something very unique because i mean if you know anything about tyson fury he's been appearing more in the wwe lately mm-hmm. and he is quite the charismatic character so he, he one would say he's been bitten by the bug oh definitely i mean but he's always kind of been like this i mean even after his last fight before this he was singing after the fight yeah, yeah. he's singing aerosmith's uh i, I don't want to close my eyes song oh yeah don't want to miss from, a thing yeah from uh, yeah and he's he's just a different cat so going in with this, as he pulled off the knockout, it was very surprising for a lot of fans, me included, because I definitely didn't see this fight going that route. Wilder just looked off, and I don't know if it's just you know Fury hits him and just really took him out of his game plan, but he started really laying some shots in on him. Mm-hmm. 
So the result has been, where does Fury go from here? And that's one thing we were going to be talking about because in boxing, they're having a resurgence of heavyweights. Anthony Joshua's name has been thrown around that he was supposed to be the next big thing coming out. Mm -hmm. He did suffer arguably one of the biggest upsets in boxing history to Andy Ruiz late last year and has really not recovered from that. That was going to be the big fight against him in Wilder. That was the the destined course to happen. Mm -hmm. Immediately after this fight, there was some promotional art that was getting released showing Fury versus Joshua, and that's the fight to make, and that – has was kind of the idea. I don't really know how to describe it. I was not excited to see that because I think Fury will roll through Joshua. But we are learning today that Wilder has activated his immediate rematch clause. Mm-hmm. So the reason he's saying is he's blaming his loss on his costume, as its reports are saying, mm-hmm. that his legs looked weak from carrying the 40-pound costume to the ring. Yeah, he, he was basically saying that, oh, my legs were gone because I had to carry that 40-pound costume to the ring. Yeah, I... I'm. I, Sounds so, like you're making excuses, my guy. Yeah, this is just not really adding up to me. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, maybe the costume was heavy. I'm not going to say it wasn't because, like I say, if you look at it, it was a very unique piece mm-hmm. that he wore to the ring. And like I say, at first glance, it looked like a mix from Iron Man and Shredder. And I, I it just it's a very unique look that he had to come to the ring. But I guess my question would be, if you're going to the fight wearing this 40-pound costume, yeah, did, was it not tested out beforehand as you're going to the ring? There's no way he didn't test it out. He had to have tested because you can't tell me that when they're planning this and as intricate as, as this was and all that, that at no point did he put that on. Come on, you can't tell me that. At some point, he should have, in testing this and walking around with it and seeing if it worked and seeing if it looked good, he should have realized holy crap, this thing is really heavy. I'm going to be exhausted by the time I get to the ring. I should wear something else. Yeah, because if it was really affecting him that route where he was struggling with his cardio carrying this thing, and like I say, you can find pictures online of the mask, the war, and if that was really affecting his airflow too, it's not exactly the best idea to come down to the ring wearing said gear. Also, way to crap on your own team for basically saying you were exhausted carrying a 40-pound piece of metal down in the ring like shouldn't have been a factor no it definitely shouldn't have been a factor and just it all boils down to fury was the better fighter saturday night there is no question of that so now they're going to invoke the media rematch which i fully am for i think that that's the fight you need to make wilder has earned it with his record wilder going into this fight was 42 and 0 with 41 knockouts Mm -hmm. so now he's 42 and 1 he has earned that right to do this so I don't say this fight doesn't make sense. We're Fury, thirty not you know thirty and zero now, twenty one knockouts, and um, like I said, Fury definitely stood up to the occasion, which I am very surprised at. And I'll eat my words because I thought he was going to get ran through unless it was a, a draw. Because mm-hmm. the t- Wilder needed to knock him out. Wilder needed to finish this fight. So the fact that Fury came down and like I said, he was landing some shots in the third and the fifth that really started dictating the pace of the fight. And Wilder, if you can find the pictures online too, was busted up very, very badly. Oh, yeah. So I don't question the stoppage. I don't. I know. But I know, like any fighter, and we've talked about this when we talked UFC, you don't want to see a fight get stopped by your corner. You want to go out on your shield. Right. And I know 
uh, there were reports, or I saw a video after the fight was over that Deontay was asking his corner, "Why did you stop the fight?" But the thing with not just Wilder, but any you know fighter, be it mixed martial arts, boxing, kickboxing, take your pick. Mm-hmm. They, they've got what I guess I'll call the Derek Jeter syndrome, the Tom Brady syndrome, the Kobe Bryant syndrome, where you've got these fighters and these athletes who are at such peak levels of their performance and their craft, where. You know, Jeter, if if he had a broken leg, would have played on it and not told you about it. Brady, if his arm was coming out of its socket and hurt him every time he threw the ball, wouldn't have told you anything. Would have kept slinging the ball. Mm. You know, Kobe, if 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 you know the human body was different when he ruptured his Achilles, would have kept playing, but he couldn't. You know, that's the thing with all these guys is Wilder was clearly in a place where the fight, while yeah, he might have been able to keep going for his own well being and his own health and his own safety shouldn't have gone on and i'm glad the team threw it in I, I realize he might not be happy about it but long term i think it's a smarter play no it absolutely is and that's one thing too you, you want to protect your fighter at all costs i mean it's one thing for us to sit at home and mm-hmm. watch the fight from a safe distance where we're not involved in the action to nitpick it yeah and just really critique oh well they shouldn't have thrown it in i understand the mentality though that they want to go out on their shield i mean we've had common man vincey totally from crows nest mma on many times and he says the same thing too is like he doesn't want to get stopped he wants to leave it all in the cage there's no regrets same thing with boxing so i understand that mentality but in this case where he was clearly getting dominated in that and, and obviously in the seventh round it just it started getting out of control that they made the right decision in doing the stoppage mm-hmm. so i don't struggle with that no now they're going to do the immediate rematch uh no timetable has been given no Anything involving where possible, any anything just other than Wilder is re, are using his immediate rematch clause. So, Pat, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. What do you think should be done differently and any idea how the the trilogy fight would go? Um, I think uh, in regards to Tyson Fury, take what you learned in this, build off of it. You clearly did something right, you know, where the first fight, a little kind of closer, split decision. This one, you clearly won. Build off of that. Continue to go off of that because you know Deontay Wilder is going to be coming back. He's going to be watching that tape. Anything new you might have used in this fight is going to be utterly useless in the next fight because he's going to be ready for it and come up with some new ways and, and things to, to you know, to beat Deontay Wilder in regards to Deontay Wilder go back to the drawing board you know you came up with a game plan it just didn't work you know study the tape you know do like Tom Brady does Tom Brady loses a game what's the first thing he's doing he's watching tape you know Mm -hmm. do the same thing yeah no I I have to agree I think for Fury this was a huge win and definitely has established his place for mainstream sports fans to really pay attention of what's going on I think there's going to be a lot more interest in this trilogy than there would be for a Canelo Triple G trilogy or, you know, fights in general. Because this one, you have two heavyweights that are really charismatic in their own rights, and they can definitely build up, and there's a story behind this, and mm-hmm. it makes a lot of sense. The only thing I, I don't like is the excuse of the costume. Mm-hmm. And I guess I would say going into this fight, if is the reason that you lost, then I would say next time make sure to check out the weight of it mm-hmm. before you come to the ring for your entrance and to be carrying around 40 pounds for that walk to the cage. I don't think is the smartest idea. No. To because you're already going to be straining as you're going in. No, and I I can't buy into this whole idea or theory and I'm not blaming you. I'm not, you know, shitting on you. The the idea that he wore this thing to you know that at no point did he test this thing out and how it feels. I just cannot buy that for the life of me. You know where if he maybe he put it on and felt how heavy it was. And was like, All right, no, this should be good, but just didn't walk the length of how long it would be from like 
the the entrance from backstage into the ring mm-hmm. maybe that's what happened and he just didn't he's like okay i can handle this this isn't that heavy but then walking that distance from the locker room down the hallway down the entrance ramp or whatever the setup is for boxing down into the ring and this in the whole nine yards maybe he didn't simulate that so i would say maybe for next time if you're going to do an interest intricate costume because let's be honest he probably will it's yeah. bo- it's boxing simulate that in some capacity find a long hallway at your at your training camp or training gym and, and like all right how long is this walk gonna be let's see if i can actually do this no absolutely i mean it's one thing about boxing is people make entrances all the time it's a big it's a big affair to do and his costume like i say it's a very unique costume it's very cool to see yeah it's very intimidating and i would just say if you're going to go that route again make it lighter make it make sense for you to walk to the ring with it so you're not impacting your fight Mm -hmm. because this is one of your biggest fights of your career to be this winded as it appears to be and if you're saying that your legs were gone by the time you got to the ring that just means you didn't prep right yeah you didn't prep right and i i just i struggle with that idea that this was not prepped by your team to walk to the cage or walk to the ring rather and be ready to fight. I I just, I struggle with that idea. And I would say for the next time it's going to happen, make come to the ring with a lighter costume. So keep it simple. The the traditional boxing robe with the hood up, you know, maybe some sunglasses on or something. Keep it simple. Yeah. Or or if you, yeah, if you want to do that, just make sure it's not impacting your fight because if you're saying that it is, it still falls back on you. And that's the point. That you can't use this as an excuse. You you were defeated already. You beat yourself. Then, mm-hmm. if you want to say Fury didn't beat you, and then okay, we have a good argument for a trilogy fight. Yeah, I'm all for it. I think they need to have a trilogy fight. Whenever they're going to do it, I would imagine probably in summertime would make the most sense. They need to be smart about this, and you can't leave anything in the ring or outside of the ring. You need to bring everything in there. You can't have any excuses. You can't say, I wore 40 pounds of an elaborate costume, and that's what took me out of this fight. Keep it simple. Wear the boxing robe, and you know what people are going to say? Holy crap, he means business. Yeah, or if you want to do the costume again. Come out with, like, the Ronda Rousey scowl. Yeah, well, however you want to do it, just come out and be ready to fight. To use it as an excuse, I, I struggle with that. Yeah, no, I do too because, okay, while it may be the case that that thing's really heavy, it looked heavy. It looked like he was wearing chainmail that you would see a knight from medieval times wear. Well, th- yeah, that's why I say I use a comparison. It looked like the Iron Man armor yeah. and it mixed with like Shredder from the Teenage Mutant yeah. Ninja Turtles. It looked like something you'd see at a Renfest from like, you know, the, the Black Knight. You know, but at the same token, saying, oh, it was really heavy. Okay, yeah, that might be the case. That also means you didn't prep well if you carried 40 pounds of weight, however long the walk was in terms of length and time, and you gassed yourself out. Yeah, I mean, that's all you can really say about it is you need to be better prepared for a fight. Mm -hmm. And clearly, you weren't if this is your excuse. So now going into this camp, if you come out in another costume, you better make sure it's lightweight, Mm -hmm. and you better make sure it doesn't weigh more than 10 pounds, I would say. I don't know how you want to come out to the fight next term. I'm going to say maybe he's a Marvel fan, come out with something Marvel. I mean, however he wants to talk, do talk it. Talk to Disney. But the major point is you need to be coming in there ready to fight. And I know boxing has pageantry. Boxing is an event. It's a spectacle. Sure. But the minute you step inside those ropes, you had better be as close to 100% as you can because Fury will be ready. And that's why he had a very simple entrance. He just wore a robe. It's not to say one was better than the other because, I mean, Fury – had a good entrance, but Wilder had a better one. We'll say Wilder's from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Come out in Alabama Crimson Tide colors. Yeah, Come I mean, out in like some regalia or like a football uniform from the Alabama Crimson Tide. Come out with Saban. 
I mean, however you want to do it, just make sure that you come to the ring ready to go. Because if you don't, it'll be another replay of Saturday night's fight. Fury will be ready to go knock you out. Wilder, if he had nothing behind his punches, sure, that's probably why you lost. Mm-hmm. But to use it as a full excuse, I think it's a it's a good 60-40 argument. Mm-hmm. I think it's 60 Fury was ready for you and took advantage of you being ill-prepared for the fight and 40% for wearing 40 pounds of a costume to the ring. That just doesn't make any It's no. wild to think about this. And this is dominating all major sports talk right now. And to say that it definitely generated a lot of eyes on the fight. So you can't take that away. But now for the trilogy fight, there's going to be more people watching. Guarantee you this. Probably. Oh, absolutely. There's going to be more people watching this, as they should. Because this will be while they're saying, okay, I had a cool costume for my first time. This time, he's going to come out in something else. I wouldn't doubt he comes in another type of costume. Mm Mm-hmm. But he had better make sure that he is ready to go step between those ropes because if he's not, it's going to be a quick night over. And then for what happens for Fury, I'm sure Anthony Joshua's name is going to get brought up again. I don't even think Fury or Wilder needs to do that fight anymore. Mm -hmm. I really don't. But it's the one that makes the most sense for boxing. And if boxing is going to carry this momentum where they have a lot of buzz generated from this fight into their next big main event, not saying they're going to overtake MMA by any means, but to continue the mem- positive momentum of having the sports will talk about boxing at length, they need to make sure their fighters are ready and they need to make sure they carry it on through because they could really get the ball rolling to bring a resurgence back for boxing. But let us know what you think. Hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What was your thoughts about the Wilder Fury fight? Who do you think they should be fighting next? And what was your take about the costume? Did it really impact the fight that much? Or was it just an excuse to say he lost? Definitely, let's have the conversation. Hit us up. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hello, this is Andrew from the Pop Culture Brewers podcast. We're the podcast where we take pieces of pop culture we absolutely love. We do deep dives on them. And then at the end of the episodes, we reveal to you the beers we were inspired to make by it. You can catch us on Spotify, Apple iTunes, and all of the usual suspects. Why not come check us out and have a pint? Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. You are listening to ODPH, the greatest podcast in Binghamton. Woo! Coming back for segment number two on this edition of the ODPH podcast. And we got to talk some NFL news. Mm-hmm. Now, there's been some signings, if you will, since our last recording. Yep. And it was going to have a certain impact on what teams are doing this weekend. Mm-hmm. Now, first, we'll talk about the big signing, and that was Drew Brees is returning to the Saints. Yep. Thoughts on this, Pad? Makes all the sense in the world. I mean, he can still gunsling it. There's clearly no drop-off in terms of production. He's usually still one of the top three passers in the NFL in terms of touchdowns, yards, and everything else. So still sling it. I say why not? Yeah, I don't really struggle with this too much, except you have to figure out what you're going to do with Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. Because do you let him go? Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. do you keep him? And, I mean, I think it would be smart for the Saints to keep him. Yeah. I don't think it would be a good idea for them. It'll cost them. But yeah, it'll, it'll be smart. It'll cost him, but I mean, you can't take that chance 
of letting Breeze at this stage, and obviously he's against Father Time, mm-hmm. you know, dictate what you're doing and not have a backup plan if he goes down again because he's been injury prone past couple couple seasons. So that being said, I, I don't exactly know how you skip around this too much. Yeah, that you need to have them both resigned because to go in there and take a shot without them, that's tough. Well, bringing back Bridgewater is a smart idea. I mean, you look at how he filled in for when Breeze was out last year and it was just a spectacular performance. The only hesitation, the only concern I would have is he is 27 years old and he turns 28 in November. So you're looking at a very short window from the time Bridge or uh, excuse me, Breeze retires. So you're already looking at he's going to be 28 before he is even the proverbial starter if and when Breeze retires. If So if Breeze retires after this year, he'll be 28 years old taking it out. Not a lot of good years left on the t- on the t- tires, as it were, when you're talking about a 28-year-old quarterback. And if Breeze stays two years, you're looking at 29 or 30. Yeah, that's some question they're going to have to figure out because obviously with free agent lurking or free agency lurking mm-hmm. down the road, teams are going to really have to make a decision. And this is kind of where it ties into what's going on this weekend. Because when free agency starts up, and that's officially on March uh, 18th, okay. is when they when teams can sign a new contract. But negotiations start a little earlier. I want to say yeah. it's the 16th. This is where teams are really going to have to figure out what they need to do. Mm-hmm. I know the Cowboys have a lot of decisions to make. Yeah, and I don't know if there's enough cap space to go around. I think a lot of franchise tags will be thrown around we'll say, throughout I, the I, league. I realize every, they, the saying is everything's bigger in Texas. There are some things that just aren't big enough in Texas. Right, and they're going to have to really, really figure out what they can do there and what they can't do. Right, because that's going to be the question of all questions: of okay, can they do this? Can they not? Mm-hmm. And then. If they can keep Dak and they can keep Amari Cooper amongst other people, yeah, it, it's it's going to play a factor. They're going to end up losing some people. I think you just it's it's an it, they're in a great situation in terms of you know you look at last year obviously the record notwithstanding, but just on paper what they have and what they're working with it looks great. But when you get to the financial aspect of things, the checkbook aspect of things, it's not a great situation. No, it definitely isn't. And there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks going around there too. I mean. Uh, you have Philip Rivers is leaving the Chargers after mm-hmm. start having his whole career with San Diego and when they moved to L.A. too. So he's going to be open. And yeah. obviously it's a team that you're or a player you're watching very close to your heart, but we all know where he's going. Oh, That's yeah. one Tom Brady. Yeah, he's going back to New England. Yeah, he's going back to New England. I don't think anybody is realistically buying him going to the Raiders. No. I would be dramatically shocked if that happened. It just I would be too. It just doesn't make sense. I no. Mean, at this stage, the relationship he has with Belichick and Kraft, I just don't see him going. Well, and especially, it's really not much of an upgrade in terms of what he's getting in terms of offense and defensive side. Now, I know the Tennessee thing. The Tennessee thing, I can kind of understand. He's got a familiarity with the head coach there in Vrabel. You know, they've got some pretty okay receivers. they got a great running game in Derrick Henry. The defense has shown some sparks. But in terms of the, Ra- the Las Vegas Raiders, the- what do they got on offense? nothing they got a they got a terrible receiving core you know whereas with the patriots okay if julian edelman is healthy obviously which he wasn't last year they're great and if they do something in the draft this year they'll be better on the running game the the raiders you know ain't got nothing whereas okay yeah the patriots have sony michelle and also anybody else who's on that roster and on the flip side uh if the stat i if i looked up the stat right the other day the raiders were like bottom of the league in terms of total defense Whereas you had the Patriots on the flip side were like top five. Yeah, it's where you have to really see what teams really make the most sense for players and vice versa. Because obviously 
free agency matters so much Mm -hmm. for teams because you have two shots of really upgrading your team. Free agency, but it will cost you depending on who you go go get. It's not to say it's all the realm of thought. We have seen teams magically turn it around after a season, but that is also due to very smart GM selections of players Mm -hmm. and work in the cap space in your favor. The other one is what is getting the uh, proverbial preview of the NFL draft, and that is the NFL combine that you're seeing this weekend. Mm-hmm. The draft the draft is where you make or break your team. Oh, yeah. There's no question about that. But this is where you start seeing how certain players are going to step up and really catch the eyes of NFL scouts and NFL teams. Or you critique people for their hand size. Yeah, it's kind of a wild scenario, to be honest with you. But the NFL scouting combine is starting Thursday, February 27th, and ending on March 1st. Different uh, skill positions are um, showcasing their skills on different days. So this is where teams really start getting the ideas of what they want to do for their drafts. Now, Pad, let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. Do you put a lot of stock into the NFL Combine? Not really. I mean, it's good to see maybe what you're getting in a receiver or a quarterback or something. It's good to see the skill set and good to see what they have. But the thing to bear in mind is it's always without any pads on. It's always without any pressure on them. They're all, you know, okay, you got a receiver running routes and catching balls. Okay, there's not a safety coming over the middle to blast his head off. Mm-hmm. You know, it's without any duress. It's without any game time situations. There's a lot of factors that fa- you have in an NFL game that aren't at play during this. So while it's nice and it's fun and it's a cool watch and it's always fun to see Rich Eisen run his 40-yard dash, I don't really set much to buy it. I can't really set a ton by this. It is interesting to see how these players react of being in this pressure cooker environment. Um, This is something that they get scrutinized from everything from their hand size to their IQ test to their uh, 40-yard dash. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Christ, they did the Wonderlick test back in the back in the day. I don't know if they still do it, but I remember taking that darn thing in, in old versions of Madden and just how dumb that thing was. Yeah, it's just interesting to see what the NFL scouts and player teams are looking for from players. Yeah, it's, it's a very fascinating process just to see of how every matter of inches and uh, ability is measured. And it's crazy to see because I know everybody harps about the running joke about it is about hand size. Mm-hmm. And somebody made a comment about Joe Burrow, who's he got like a nine inch hand. Yeah, who's projected to be the number one pick of the entire NFL draft and was saying something about having small hands. And I know Patrick Mahomes from the Kansas City Chiefs said, I wouldn't worry about it too much if you got the skill you can play. There's yeah. something in that variation. Yeah. And he's right. Yeah. Because if you really want to break down the NFL combine, Pad, let me ask you this. Mm hmm. Who was the MVP of the NFL this past year? Uh, Lamar Jackson. Yes. So where was he drafted? Oh, I where two or where like position? Position wise, I couldn't even remember. Bottom thirties. Okay. So he was drafted to the Ravens then. Right. How many other quarterbacks were taken ahead of him? A, cu- a couple. I couldn't even tell you. Yeah, uh, about four, I believe. Okay. To say that your NFL draft combine, somebody missed the ball in this one. To mm-hmm. let your MVP fall that far. Here's how much you can set by the NFL Combine. 198 people were taken ahead of Tom Brady. How many of those quarterbacks have Super Bowls? None. Exactly. So it's always kind of a crapshoot. But I do like it that you start seeing some ability of what these players can do when they get to a big stage. Yeah. And there, it definitely it gives a test of how they're going to handle being under pressure. Because that's the one thing about this is, sure, 
there's just a ton of scouts walking around. They're you know looking at every measurement. They're looking at every yard thrown, ran. Sure. It is a pressure cooker environment. And I can't stress that enough because this gets them ready for game day. Mm-hmm. Because it's very different when you step up from playing on Saturdays for college football to being a professional and just what comes in to being a player in the NFL. Right. So that being said, I am really interested in seeing a few players uh, demonstrate what they can do. Mm-hmm. For this, I definitely want to see how uh, Burrow plays mm-hmm. at, at the Combine. I'm very interested by it because he seems to have come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And obviously, what he did at LSU, you can't take away from. No. A lot of hype of, you know, if he, if the Bengals draft him, would he go there? And I've read that he's, he made some comments saying he'll go anywhere. He's a ball player. He'll step up and play. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting to see how he measures up for this, if this would impact his draft status. I don't think it would. I think Probably not. I, I think he's a lock for number one. Without question. I don't think there is any way, shape, or form he does not go number one. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Coach's favorite player, who maybe that's who he's going to cry meeting, is one Chase Young. Yeah. Is skipping the drill section of this. Mm-hmm. And he's going to take part of his pro day, which obviously, it's not unheard of. It's not unheard of. I don't think it's going to hurt his stock by any means. Uh, it's just very interesting to see that he's not participating in this. I mean, it's not unheard of, though, because big name players have done this in the past. Some for injury reasons that oh you know what I'm just not at 100 percent I'm not where I want to be so I you know I want to show you my absolute best all the way to reasons such as you know what just the people who are going to be throwing the ball passing the ball whatever the reason is for their position aren't folks I'm familiar with and I don't think I'm going to be able to show my skill set as best I can mm-hmm. so I want to do it at my pro day where it's guys I know yeah and pro days for anybody that's not familiar is when the universities have their players that are demonstrating their skills for the NFL draft uh, work out at their own field. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like, you know, like a comfort A little, little home cooking. Yeah, a little home cooking. So I'm really interested to see how young status is affected by this. But I imagine I mean, he's going to be the best defensive player that's taken in the draft this year. So I don't think it's going to hurt him. But the one that I'm really interested to see is Alabama's Tua. Yeah, I was just going to say the same thing. He's the one that I want to see where he's at with his injury and coming back from well, it. Well, and that was the thing I was going to bring up is, you know, there was a report that came out, I want to say it was today as we record, where he there's a possibility he'll throw at the combine, but it's all going to be down to if he gets medically cleared. So I'm, I'm interested to see, does he throw? Because that's going to be a good gauge of, all right, how's the arm doing? Yeah, that's what you really want to see. And obviously it's such a, a you know devastating injury he suffered to see where this is going to affect him in the draft because, unfortunately, it is going to affect him. Mm-hmm. And to see where teams are going to be taking him as high as the draft. I mean, obviously, the contract structuring is different than mm-hmm. it used to be in years past because it used to be the days of a $50 million signing bonus Ugh. for just being taken number one. And Out- you haven't even taken a snap. Outrageous. Oh, yeah, it's outrageous. It, it's such a Marcus in- Russell, Sam Bradford. Yeah, yeah I mean – to see certain players, I think the last one that was was Matthew Stafford, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but I he, had, but you know, for how loyal he's been to that organization, oh, yeah. I don't think you can argue that at all. No. Like you know, for what he did. No. So seeing how draft status is going to affect some players, yeah, this is going to be a big deal for them. And to see how Tua bounces back, I'm hoping that he comes back healthy and being able to play. Even if he gets drafted in Miami, I'm not rooting against him for that because obviously having that big of an injury, mm-hmm. that affects your entire life. Yeah. And to see how other quarterbacks are going to be playing out there, I mean, Jalen Hurts coming out of Oklahoma to see where he racks up is going to be another one to watch. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of skill position players that are going to have to watch and to see how they progress. And, it, you know, you'll hear a lot of teams say, oh, their scouts weren't impressed. Right. Smoke and mirrors. Yeah, it's smoke and mirrors. 
all the way because if you think about it over years past, it's always the running joke like with the Raiders <laughs> that if they had, if the fastest wide receiver uh, for the 40-yard dash – um, you know, if he ran a four one, they take him number one. Yep. No matter what, it was always a joke that yeah, you see these athletes perform at such an elite level and do you know miraculous you know records, yet they get them on game day and they don't show up. Yeah. It's always just a crapshoot with us. But I'll say it, receivers is probably about the only position I'll check out some highlights on and I'll check out some clips on because if there's anything one position the Patriots need, you know, outside of tight end, I would say mm-hmm. it's another goddamn receiver. Well, they're going to need a lot of help. I mean, that's where free agency comes into play, too. But yeah. if they see somebody in the draft that they can get late that catches their eye, and I mean, I'll give their devils their due. Justin Jefferson from LSU, hello. Yeah, this is going to be somewhere where scouts are going to make note of players and watch how they run routes. And for teams like the Patriots, like the Steelers, the ones that have such a strong infrastructure of what they're looking for, they thrive here. Mm-hmm. For a younger team, you know, dare I say a Carolina with a brand-new coach, this is where you're going to have to really kind of make a, some decisions and really stick to your guns. Or okay, what are we going to do with the off season mm-hmm. with Cam Newton now? Do we bring him back? Do we not? And do we see a quarterback here that we want to make a move for? I mean, there's so many storylines that you can make from this. But overall, the combine in itself is where you really start seeing what players are quote unquote made of because mm-hmm. you can do a lot on game day, and oh, that's yeah. what I think you should weigh more on than what you see how much they can lift in a day, how much they can run in a day. Yeah. But the combine will tell you how they handle that pressure. I'll say the combine's good to see footwork, arm motion, this, that, and the other. But And I understand that. But for me, the big thing, I, if I were a scout, I would want to check out, give me all their tape. If, if we got tape on them from playing peewee football, give it to me. You know, because I want to see these guys in a pressure situation where you've got, if you're a quarterback where you got a defensive end and a safety bearing down on them, looking to take their head off, mm-hmm. you know, they can have the perfect foot speed, the perfect, you know, drops, uh, drop back, you know, for a pass, perfect evasion. You know, if they're a Madden rating, they got 99 overall in every stat, but it doesn't mean squat if they can't perform in an actual game situation. No, absolutely not. And that's what you want to look for. Cause if you don't see that, then you're really wasting your picks. And mm-hmm. I know that, a lot of coaches have got a lot to say about it, too. Uh, I know Bruce Arians has had a couple of sound bites for Tampa Bay about the draft, and, and he's he's not wrong with it. No. that I, For a lot of teams, this is going to make or break your year. Is just the draft. But what you see at the combine is really what is like your appetizer. Mm-hmm. The draft is the main course. You're going to have to select the best player for your team if you want to really make a run for the Super Bowl. This is why it stands out. This is why the NFL Network is going to be covering it the next four days that you're going to see a lot of different storylines going. You're going to see certain players rise to the occasion. You're going to see people doing crazy benchmark lifts of weight, you know, how many reps they can do in a row. And, like, I don't yeah. know. I, it always kind of puzzles me about how much they translate on the game day. Yeah. But if you like what you see on game film and you like what you see in the work ethic, this can make or break your draft stock. This is why this event is so important. So that being said, let us know what you think. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts about the NFL free agency coming into play? We already told you Drew Brees signed. Who's the next one to fall? And then what impact will this have on the draft? You're going to see the combine this weekend. What players are standing out to you that we really need to watch and pay attention to? And how do you think that's going to affect them in the draft? Let's have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. From the galactic depths of the comic book universe comes the ghosts of the stratosphere, ready to galvanize and energize your mind with the latest of comic book news and reviews. And why why are you stopping me? Yes, that's much better. 
Hi, this is Andy Larson for Ghosts of the Stratosphere. Join me every week along with my co-hosts Rob Stewart and Chad Smith as well as a cavalcade of fantastic comic book guests as we dish out heaping helpings of the greatest and latest of comic book news and reviews. New shows posted every Tuesday with bonus shows every first Friday of the month. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher under Ghosts of the Stratosphere as well as on our website www.gotstratosphere.com Hope to see you soon, folks. Hey, this is Vince, the Common Man Toy, local MMA fighter, telling you to keep on listening to the ODPH, the 607's up-and-coming newest podcast. Coming back for segment number three on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and let's talk some wrestling, shall we? Wrestling! Now, if you've been listening to the ODPH network, you have caught the wrestling show that Rich from Three Fat Nerds and I co-host uh, each and every week. We've been running on February, and we have been talking a little bit about AEW, mm-hmm. All Elite Wrestling. The promotion ran by Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, the quote-unquote elite of the Bullet Club for one time, the biggest free agents in all pro wrestling, that decided to spurn the WWE and not sign contracts there. and These supposed mega contracts. The mega contracts. If, if the numbers were to be believed. Yeah, if you really believe that, that it was the biggest contracts in all pro wrestling, they decided to say, no, we're going to DIY it ourselves and create all of the wrestling, which has been very polarizing to a lot of fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, either you're very pro-AEW or anti-AEW. Pad, where do you stand on that? Uh, I'm kind of in the middle. I don't love them. I don't hate them. I just don't watch them. I, I watched uh, All In because, hey, I've, I've seen Cody in person. I've seen the Young Bucks in person. You know, I was very interested in those. Hey, this is something other than WWE. I'll give it a shot. You know, I saw that. I saw Double or Nothing. I saw All Out. I saw Fighter, uh, Fighter Festival. You know, but after that, I just, you know, for various reasons, you know, if, at first it was, you know, just busy, didn't have time to get around to it. Now it's just they're not giving me any reason to watch. I, I just They're not enticing me. When we were down in New York Comic Con, they debuted their TV show, AEW Dynamite. Yep. And Pad decided to skip that and watch NXT on his phone. Yeah. Which I'm not mad at him about because I watch AEW. It was, it was the first NXT live show. Yeah, which, I mean, they had a lot going on, and that's pretty much the best night of res- pro wrestling to watch during the week. Mm-hmm. Bar none. I don't even want to get into how bad SmackDown's been lately. And Raw has not been super impressive after the first hour. No. So that's why we really haven't deep dived into it. But this Saturday is AEW's latest pay-per-view, Revolution, going Mm -hmm. down Saturday, February 29th, as we're recording from Chicago. It will be on pay-per-view on BR Live in the States for $49.99 and starting at 8 o'clock, asterisk, because wrestling. (laughs) So this going in to the big pay-per-view, the hype going into it, the show's, AEW has been very polarizing, as I've kind of touched upon. And I've been watching a lot more than I think anybody in the ODPH and I would say arguably with three Fednerds. Rich and I will go back and forth. Rich watches NXT for the show, but I watch AEW. Production-wise, they've been getting better. They hasn't been the home run that I think a lot of people were thinking. They've kind of gone back and forth about some storylines. But going into this pay-per-view, I actually feel like they've taken steps in the right direction. Mm-hmm. 
So, Pad, <clears throat> I'm not going to focus on all the card because sure. you haven't watched, but I want to focus on the, the three major matches mm-hmm. that I know you know the wrestlers about. Sure. And I want to get your opinion because at the end of this, I want to say you as a casual wrestling fan of AEW that you know these wrestlers, if you had the chance to watch this, would you? Mm-hmm. So this is what I'm going to sell you. Okay. So the three matches I've selected to talk about is Cody mm-hmm. versus MJF. Now, the storyline here is MJF was the heir apparent to the Cody Rhodes throne. He was the prodigy, the you know mentor, the ment- mentoree, mm-hmm. however you want to find that as. And when Cody was, you know, having his big match to go for the title, MJF turned on him, and this has just been a complete storyline that has been dominating AEW television. Um, give take, you know, mm-hmm. your feelings on it. I always am very critical. Cody comes out with the most elaborate entrance of mm-hmm. anybody in AEW, and he does this for like normal interviews, right? Which, which I don't get. I don't need all the pyro. I don't need all the spectacle. Just like walk down the ring and, and talk and get out. Like that's all I need from you. MJF is their best heel by far. And MJF is the best heel in pro wrestling, period. Uh, yeah, he's he's it's it's a good conversation. I got insulted by the man at an Excite show. Yes, he has been through Excite Wrestling. He has made friends, quote-unquote, with Pad. Uh, MJF is amazing on the mic. Uh, definitely is not afraid to push some uh, lines and uh, really incite a riot if he really wants to. No, and for those who are kind of wondering, he was at an Excite show last year. I forget when it was. And he was coming down to the ring and giving his usual MJF promo, insulting people and making fun of them. And he said something. I don't remember what it was, but he said something to whoever he was going to face. And it, I found it funny. I was, and I just started laughing. And he looks at me and he goes, what are you laughing at, you fat fuck? Yeah. I yeah. was like, all right. That's how MJF is. But he is amazing on the microphone. Oh, yeah. yeah. And this storyline, uh, MJF has been toying with Cody for weeks now, having him jump through hoops to get a, re- get a match against him. Mm-hmm. They even did at one point, Cody had to take 10 lashes yeah. from him, which was a very interesting angle. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of had some questions with it. Uh, it's different. It, it's no, it, it's different. It's very old school. Yeah, it, it's very old school. And but it almost seemed like it should have been after the match, mm. like a, like a you know a consequence from it. And obviously, if you've been following the storyline that's been going on with Brandy Rhodes, and that has been just a, a mess. Yeah, to see like they've they've killed her, and luckily they have uh, her whole Nightmare Coalition gimmick. And well, I think she killed it. Whoever did it was the smartest move they've done in months because that thing was just yeah. A I can't remember the exact mess. I can't remember the exact details, but I think I remember reading in an interview in an article about an interview she gave where she, I think she was the one who killed that. Yeah, but they they wind up like you know she comes to, to Cody's side and gets him through the ten lashes, which like I said makes sense. Yeah, like I said, it's it's an old school wrestling. Yeah, so it's a wife sticking by her husband. Yeah, and then to go through another stage. Uh, Cody had to defeat Wardlow, who was the most overhyped guy in AEW. I was not impressed with what I saw from him mm-hmm. in the steel cage match where Cody. I will give him credit. If you've seen the match, and if you have, if you've seen the match, you understand what I'm saying with this. If you haven't, they had one of the most elaborate steel cages, mm-hmm. and Cody just jumped off it like no hesitation. Broke his toe to the point landing. to the point where the nail came off. Yeah, it's it's a very gruesome picture. If you're into that, go Google search it. I'm the one even posted on our site. Uh, so Cody beat defeated Wardlow. So now he has his match. He can't lay a hand on MJF until the match. So this going into Revolution, Pad, you got any feelings on this one? Um, hard to say. I mean, MJF's a great heel, and Cody, you know, is doing everything he can to get this going. You know, just for me. 
not really moving the needle on it a lot. I, I'll be honest, I didn't even realize anything was going on with Cody until I saw a clip of him jumping off of that steel cage uh, last week. I know he, I knew he was wrestling, and I knew about the 10 lashes thing, but I had no idea what the context was. So I feel like for the company, AEW, like if you want to reach the people who are just kind of casual, don't really watch it every week, you really got to come up with ways to reach the folks because, hi, I don't watch AEW like at all, but I'm aware of it. I mm-hmm. I follow some of their stuff on social medias. I follow you know Cody on Instagram. I follow the Bucks and all this other stuff. Like I just follow all these people. I didn't realize or had any inkling of what was going on until you know you told me. Yeah, it's something that we're very critical about on the wrestling show that AEW relies too much on their social media mm-hmm. to explain stories that you have to follow everybody's YouTube channel yeah. and being the elite still to right. really get the full picture of the story, which I, they did explain on the show, but it's been kind of very back and forth. I will say this, though. Cody Rhodes has been doing the best in-ring promos he's ever done. Oh, yeah. No, you haven't seen some of them. He has given amazing promos. To, well, to, it, do, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, if there's one thing with AEW I kind of pay attention to, it's any interview John Moxley gives. You know, and, yeah. the, and the one thing, he gave an interview the other day where he talked about a, a bunch of stuff, you know, but one of the things is he kind of reiterated what he said is that it's just easier with this company compared to WWE, whereas with WWE, you had 17 people telling you what to do, and while they're telling you what to do, they're making you know edits to your script and what to say, whereas with AEW, he's basically saying, yeah, here's what you got to talk about. Just go out there and do it. Yeah, which, I mean, it suits him. And Cody has been running with it. So I will say he's at least built this story up. I, like I say, as a casual wrestling fan, you might not be connected to it as much. I've been watching the show weekly. Mm-hmm. It's there. I understand it is. I'm not fully invested in it because mm-hmm. it almost seems like they telegraph too much. This one should be an easy Cody one, Yeah, unfortunately, because I, I would love to see MJF pull this off. That would be something. Okay, you really want to throw a curveball? Have that happen. But this is going to be Cody's because he's going to eventually find a way. Currently, he's not allowed to have another title shot because right. he lost to Jericho. That was a stipulation there. But Yeah, that won't last. Wrestling and reasons. Mm-hmm. Enough said there. The second match, Pat, I'm going to bring up to you. You have your AEW Tag Team Champions, Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page, mm-hmm. taking on the Young Bucks. Now, the storyline here is... Page and Omega have, like, a very weird partnership right now. Okay. Page is kind of broken off. He's not being with the elite. He's okay. He's doing his own thing. Uh, he's doing, quote-unquote, cowboy shit, <laughs> as he says. Okay. Which, which is now a chant, which I find hysterical. That needs to be on a shirt. Oh, it, it is. Like, pro wrestling tees. I'll give a free plug. Uh I mean, if you don't even want to put the full swear word on the shirt, make a, what is it, the sheriff badge into the eye? There's there's something on there. I, I don't know the exact one they have, but trust me, if it's not there, they're making one. Uh, which he's just been breaking away from the elite, doing his own thing. Uh, really has been more focused on getting a beer on the outside of the ring than the match. Mm-hmm. But Omega is like trying to bring him back in the K or back into the fold. They just had a battle royal, which was not a bad match uh, this past week to decide who was going to be the number one contenders. Okay. For it, um, really some creative storytelling. I will say that with the with the battle royal. Okay. Um, but the Bucks win, and they can kind of tease in the back and forth about this. Uh, so feelings on this match. I mean, I'm glad you kind of explained why it's going on because I'm, you know, I'm looking at a preview here from CBSSports.com and I and I looked at it and I'm like, you know, knowing the little bit I do because I catch being the elite every now and then. I'm kind of like, why they're all friends? Um, that being said, I I think the Kenny and Adam will retain, although through not not by pinning the Young Bucks, I think somebody will, will run down and interfere, 
with this just because I can't imagine if you like what well, you're, you're explaining to me, oh, they're trying to bring Adam back into the fold. They're trying to get him back on the same page. I can't imagine having him beat two of his best, his friends, former best friends, whatever you want to call it would do that. So I get the feeling that in some capacity, this will, somebody will come down and interfere, whether it's Santana and Ortiz, is that mm-hmm. their name? Yep. You know, whether they come down and interfere or you get somebody else from that faction coming down and interfering, it'll be a great, it'll be a great match. It'll be spot fest left, right and center, you know, with a lot of amazing highlights. But I think what will end up happening is you'll you'll have Adam return to the fold maybe the next pay-per-view or, or at a Dynamite episode down the road where they kind of settle this because I get the feeling that this is going to be a, a DQ win and and they're going to retain. I think the Bucks are going to win this one because what the smart idea would be is have Paige fully turn. Okay. Go after Kenny Omega. Do a feud there, which I think would help. But the only thing that I'm really puzzled by is your youngest and biggest stars that are rising through your company mm-hmm. is MJF and Adam Page, in my yeah. opinion. You're going to have both of those guys heal? Like that, I like. I don't know how I feel about that. Mm-hmm. But I think the Page idea is interesting um, to have him go full heel, and if it gets that feud rolling that you could have some really good matches, mm-hmm. I'm down for it. Make it happen. I, I think that that has got a lot of potential. And for the Young young Bucks, I mean, it's only a matter of time until they become champs because mm-hmm. they're the Young Bucks. Uh, AEW has a very good tag team division. Um, a lot of spot fests going on for yeah. most of the matches. But you look at the teams they have in that on that roster, they're all spot fests. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a super indie, oh, yeah. to say the least. Yeah. I mean, it's a very different vibe than the WWE. It's still worth a watch, but it's very – you have to go in there expecting – Super indie wrestling. What we mean mm-hmm. by this is you're going to see a lot of crazy f- moves happen. There'll only be a two count. Mm-hmm. That's probably the nicest way I can put it without going fully. This is how you call it super indie. Uh, either way, I think the Bucks are going to pull this one off. I think it sets up Page and um, Omega, which would be a great feud if they do it, and I hope they do. So they just don't have Page doing just you know more cowboy shit for no reason. Mm-hmm. Now your main event okay. for the AEW World title chris jericho is your champion le champion Mm -hmm. as they say taking on the one and only john moxley Mm -hmm. now moxley came into AEW more like your stone cold steve austin type going at kind of after everybody but he's kind of really focused his ideas on jericho and getting the title and jericho has been a complete heel since he's actually now the head of his own faction now do you ever remember jericho being the head of his own faction before here um no i can't say i do no he's always had like a partner like the yeah. show or kevin you know, owens kevin owens you know somebody like that but he's never been the head of his own faction which he's thriving here so don't forget his uh one week friendship with aj styles yeah sold the shirt for it why do aj buy the shirt oh my god one of the worst things ever mm-hmm. but this he has his own faction he has uh jake hager who aka jack swagger yep uh sammy Guevara, who has a he, who has a great match with darby allen I'm, i know we're not talking about uh, I know you don't don't know either of those two, but I think that'll be a really fun match. I hope they make that into a real feud. Uh, and Santana Ortiz are part of it, and he's really thriving in the role of just being the heel. Albeit though, Jericho is on the you know almost near you know fifty at this stage. Like he, mm-hmm. he's on the back end. Like he like he he's reinvented his character. And I will say this: he can still wrestle and he can yeah. still go, but he yeah, is, but. His finisher now, the Judas effect, which is a spinning elbow, like it's not doing anything for me on this. But they've had a very good build up to this feud that basically 
They tried having Moxley join the inner circle. Moxley decided to turn him down, albeit in a very ill-timed segment. Mm-hmm. They drug it out for like about 10 minutes extra uh-huh. before he made the switch. And they've done everything from having Jericho take one of his spikes off his jacket mm-hmm. and stab Moxley in the eye with it. I'll say, I have seen him with the eye patch. Great look. Yeah. It, oh, it works. Like it, for, for how they build him and, you know, all on. I mean, Christ, his, his theme music you can find on iTunes is called Unscripted Violence. Like. It makes all the sense in the world. Oh, yeah. Moxley's getting pushed through the roof. And, yeah. It, it Highly make... recommend his uh, entrance theme if you're going to work out at the gym, though. Yes, it is. It's a very good theme. I will say one of the better ones. Yeah. But And you want to talk about themes. All right. This is a debate I've been having with people online about this. Okay. At, at OD Parlay Hour. Jericho is your biggest heel, quote, unquote, in your company. Mm-hmm. Right? So he's a heel. What do you feel about the crowd singing his theme music as he comes to the ring? They they literally have everybody in the audience now is singing Judas yeah. from Fozzie. Yeah. And even when the music stops, they're still singing. To be fair, they do that with Shinsuke Nakamura on a weekly basis. Yeah, but would you think it's kind of odd being Jericho being the big heel? I mean, Nakamura eh. – Nakamura, well, Nakamura is Nakamura because it's a different thing with him, I, I think, because he's mid – I hate saying he's mid-card, but Jericho being your still top a heel. heel. Yeah, that's right. Fair point. Okay, I, I wanted your opinion because I I mean it doesn't bother me at all. It's it's a great song. You know, I've got it in my rotation and on my playlist when I'm at the uh, gym working out. You know, is it odd? Yeah, maybe. But I think of how many you know fans he's had an influence on and inspired and and really you know whatever you want you know expression you want to use throughout the course of his very long and, and very you know storied career. I don't. It doesn't surprise me you know, at, at all that they sing his entrance music because he means a lot to a lot of folks, young and old. I just find it odd because he's such a heel, but it works because he's like the cool heel. Like he's, you root for him more than you do Moxley in that yeah. company. Don't forget title of the song, Judas. Judas in the Bible, not a good guy. No, not exactly. Which I mean, you nail it right on the head. But he's a heel. I just find it so fascinating that the crowd still sings it. Word for word, like I know, Rich has always has the Kool Aid sounder mm. when he's talking about AEW fans because the ones that just are you know defended to the death and don't like want to have like a reasonable argument about it. But this is like where you hear it's just like everybody is singing it. It's almost like cult like. It's it's it's. I a, mean, it's, it's been out for at least three years, so that uh, doesn't surprise me. I know, but it's just it's such a unique experience though with it. But I I, I it's a cool thing with AEW, but it's kind of puzzling. Just thinking, he's yeah. like, well, he's a heel. He should be booing. Yeah. Either way, this one is going to be your main event for the night. Mm-hmm. Any feelings on this one, Pat? Um, I gotta say, if I, you had to, if you forced a gun to my head and say, "Who do you think's gonna win this?" I'm, I'm gonna say Moxley. I mean, I'm, I'm, I saw Jericho win the belt, and I was there for the whole, oh, a little bit of the bubble and all the memes that spun out of that. But I, I'd say the old jalopy on, that is Jericho and his title reigns kind of spitting and sputtering here. It's kind of spinning its tires. You know, the gas is running out of the tank on the car, if you will. Uh, I think it's time to pull the belt off of him. He's done what he can with it. He's really promoted the show and really brought it to a new level that were he not champion, I don't think they could have gotten to. And I think if you put the belt on Moxley as unscripted and as violent and as crazy as he can be, I think you can have a lot of fun with that. And I think you can do a lot of very creative championship championship matches for that belt that would be very new and unheard of that I think for somebody like me, if I if they put the belt on Moxley and they start going, oh, we're gonna do a insert bizarre gimmick that has never been done before, that might make get me to turn out and be like, oh, you know what? Somebody give me a heads up when that's on. I'll check it out. 
I think Moxley is going to walk with us. I think Jericho has been champion now since Double or Nothing. Or no, mm-hmm. no, not Double or Nothing. Uh, all out. I'll say this too. In terms of Moxley winning the belt, I think he wants to win it in the worst way possible because you think of his time back when he was on WWE as mm-hmm. Dean Ambrose. Let me ask you because I know you've watched a lot of wrestling. What do you remember about any of his main title runs on WWE? He had a potted plant. He had a potted plant, and the only thing I really remember is he won the second. What was it? Second time he won it. Uh, it was the night that all members of the Shield held it in one night. That's about it. There's no memorable matches. There's no memorable defenses. There's no memorable moments or spots. Mm. You really don't remember anything from him. So I think he wants to win this in the worst way possible to show, hey, I can be a good champion. Well, he's going to have to do it, and especially who they pair him against moving forward. Because mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, I think Fozzie's going on tour with Chris Jericho's band. Man, I was just thinking it's about time. So if that's happening... Who's the next person to face? Now, if it's smart booking, do you do Moxley against Adam Page? If Moxley he, if, versus Jeff Cobb in a thumbtacks match. Oh, my God. Oh, if only. Well, in we a thumbtacks match. We have to fully see if Jeff Cobb signed. which He is, has not. Uh, which he's, from what I understand, he's still a free agent taking his own bookings and doing his own thing. Which uh, Jeff Cobb is amazing in the ring. Like Jeff I, Cobb and NXT versus Keith Lee. Oh. That's all, Bro. I, that's all I need. Bro. No, no, that's Matt Riddle. I either way. Uh I By the way, if you're a wrestling fan and you want a good laugh, check out Matt Riddle and uh Pete Dunn's new shirt on WWE shop.com. It's funny. Yeah, it's it, it, that pairing is incredible in its own right. Uh if Jeff Cobb does sign there, which I if you're AEW and you let him sign mm-hmm. with WWE after he's appeared on your programming, that'd be that's that's not a good luck. Yo. I mean, I'd be all for Jeff Cobb coming to AEW. I think it'd be a good it'd be a great signing for him, but they have to lock him up. Yeah, and you can't put him in high profile matches like Moxley. No, and do you know if you, if you don't have him locked up, which I which I know we've been very critical on three FNW about. They need to make sure that happens. I mean, it, it only makes sense for Moxley to face a top tier heel moving forward. Mm-hmm. MJF would be another would be a great one. Yeah, he could do some real good work with MJF. Oh, that could be that could be something fun. Or even Adam Page, like I said, if he does the full heel turn against Kenny Omega. And then goes gets the world title. I mean, mm-hmm. there you go, and that can build up some other stuff too. There's a lot of different storylines they can do going into post AEW Revolution. So, Pat, after, let's close this segment out with this question. Mm-hmm. I've given you the top three matches going on that you would know about. Mm-hmm. Are is there any interest? Not saying that you're going to be like take my money now, but is there more interest that you're like okay, if I'm somewhere around this watching this, I'm going to pop in and see it? Yeah, possibly. You know, if, if the stars align themselves right, it's def- there are definitely some interesting storylines and definitely some stuff that might be worth checking out. But it's it maybe okay. No, that's that's a fair point because that's where I'm kind of going with the segment. AEW has their big pay per view they've been building up. They don't do one every month, and I think this plays into a lot of good for them, and I think it plays into a lot of bad. Mm-hmm. I think of how they rely so much on their social media accounts, like being the elite, you have to really follow and you get a lot more of the backstory. Mm-hmm. I think hurts them, but I think that's the brand they've already set up. I think for this pay-per-view to really be successful, they got to deliver home runs on the three matches we set. Your undercard is still pretty good, though. I mean, uh, Nyla, Nyla Rose is taking on Chris Statlander. If you've been following their women's division, that's a great match to have for the women's title. Uh, Dustin Rhodes is fighting Jack Hager, which, I mean, I think that's going to be pretty self-explanatory. And we touched upon Sammy Guevara taking on Darby Allen. Allen is going to be, like, their young, up-and-coming, like, uh, superstar. They've got a lot into him, but the crowd has bought into him and his character. So that should be a really fun match. In fact, I think that might be, like, the one I'm really looking forward to outside the three we just mentioned on the show. 
But for AEW to really make a statement, they got to have this pay-per-view really hit some home runs. And I mm-hmm. think I think they can do it. I just hope that they don't drop the ball here with some kind of really super indie, wacky hijinks and really mess up what they have because they have some storylines that have been getting better. They need to continue that momentum. Otherwise, they're going to be sitting there watching WWE take off and they're going to be in the dust even though they signed for three more years. So that being said, AEW Revolution is this Saturday night. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. Are you going to be watching if you're a wrestling fan? And if you're not and you're a wrestling fan, why not? And if you have no interest in wrestling, does this entice you to take a you know gander at the picture? Hit us up, let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling, and you're listening to the ODPH. I didn't mess it up. I thought I would. Right now... Back to the guys. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. And, Pad, let's talk about that local minute, shall we? Well, local minute, of course, we're talking some Binghamton Devils hockey news. And looking at their games from this past week, they won their game on the 19th against the Toronto Marlies by the final score of 5-3. to three. They returned home on the 21st and won the game again, uh, won again by the final score of 2-1, to one, and then lost on the 22nd by the final score of 6-3. to three. And looking at their games this upcoming week, they return home on Friday, February, February 28th, 7.05 p.m. against the Hartford Wolfpack. And then uh, Saturday, they remain home and play the Toronto Marlies. Interesting uh, start time. That start time is 4.05 uh, p.m. Not quite sure why it's 4.05 in the afternoon, but hey. Uh, and then Sunday, they travel up on March 1st. They travel up to Bridgeport and play the Sound Tigers at game time 5 p.m. Uh, before they return home next week. More information, BinghamtonDevils.com. And since Coach is still at the NFL Combine, I will be covering the Binghamton Bulldogs recap, and they were winners this past weekend with a 118-93 victory over Ontiana. So now the Bulldogs are back in the top 10 of the ABA's 25 top teams pool. Uh, they are at number 10 with a record of 13-4. and four. Wyoming Valley Clutch, though, is still undefeated, 17-0. and 0. Wow. And Syracuse Stallions, 16-2, and 2, sitting at number 5. So that being said, this weekend's Binghamton Bulldogs game is the last scheduled home game okay. against the New York Underdogs. Uh, that is Saturday night, the 29th of February at St. Pat's Gym. So more information on that, BinghamtonBulldogs.com. Or just head over to their Facebook page at Binghamton Bulldogs. It's very active, so you can find out everything going on, and especially more information is coming out about the ABA Elite Eight tournament that's coming to town. So head on over there and check it out. And a shout-out to Excite Wrestling that they're still planning their big eighth-year anniversary show, March 7th. More news is coming, and, in fact, there is a rumor rumor that Johnny Moose is going to be appearing on the wrestling show this week with Rich and myself on the Three Fat Nerds Network, which will be coming out Thursday night, I believe. We have a scheduling uh, change from our normal time, and it will be appearing on the ODPH Network sometime this weekend as well. So the rumor has it Moose is making an appearance. We have not gotten official confirmation. It's kind of like a, hey, buddy, um, I might be making it through. So stay tuned for that. But either way, ExciteWrestling.com for more information. Get your tickets for the X. It's going to be a rocking night March 7th with a lot more news to come after that. 
So, Pad, let's round those bases and take it home, shall we? Sure. Well, of course, uh, doing some local minute. Got to talk a little baseball news because Yankees fans, we got a little disappointing news today. Uh, coming out of Yankee Spring Training Camp, it has been announced by uh, Brian Cash, General Manager Brian Cashman, that Luis Severino has been shut down and is done for the year because he's going to need Tommy John surgery. Mm. Uh, not a good, not a good news for them. Uh, they're already hurting for starting pitching since uh, James Paxton is out through at least April after he went underwent a procedure to remove a cyst uh, as well as a microscopic lumbar surgery uh, also Domingo Herman is serving the final uh, 63 games of his 81 game suspension uh, for violating Major League Baseball's domestic violence policy uh, barring any other issues uh, he will is eligible to return June 5th so not so going to be interesting to see what they can do with what they got down at the system but luckily this is in the middle of the season it's not like a week before the season starts so they'll definitely have time and, and spring training just started they just started playing some games you know within the last couple of days so they'll definitely have some time to figure something out but they'll definitely have to rely on Garrett Cole Tanaka J.A. Happ which who, who would have thought that not trading away J.A. Happ would have been a blessing who would have known? Baseball, man. Baseball is weird, uh, but it, definitely not good news for Luis Severino. Tommy John surgery is a very tough and complicated surgery where you are out at least a year. So he's looking at February 2021 before he's even ready to come back. And the thing I've always heard from pitchers is it, it you know, they say it's a year. It's really a year and a half before you're really back to where you were. So you're looking at at least the later part of summer before he comes back. It is, but it's almost commonplace now mm-hmm. for baseball with Tommy John's. Like before, it used to be like career ending, I think. It was yeah. Like, but now it's, dare I say, it's a little more, mm-hmm. you know, normal. It's so weird to say surgery is normal, but yeah. it is something in baseball that you hear a lot of pitchers have it and they're out a year, but they come back yeah. stronger and better than ever. So we're hoping for a speedy and healthy recovery for, you know, Sevy and. Yeah, definitely, and it's a good, a good thing they caught it. Hopefully, he can get this uh, taken care of. I know Cashman said that you know he hasn't picked a doctor yet. He's trying to figure out which one will work and who's got the right schedule and you know can fit it, fit him in. So no word yet on who he's going to see. Uh, other baseball news, like I mentioned, the spring training games have started, which means the Houston Asterisks have started playing games. Yeah. Uh, if they're not playing in front of a home crowd, the uh, reception's been going exactly as expected. Not well. Uh, if I had to land a guess uh, for Yankee fans, if you remember how well A-Rod was received towards the end of his year in Boston, not well, very loud. Uh, I would say whenever Houston travels up to the Fenway Park and plays the Red Sox, it might be worse than when A-Rod was in there. It's not going to be a pleasant experience. No. But, you know, you do the crime, you got to pay the time. Yeah, I mean, now you've got reports of fans trying to show up to games with signs and and security is confiscating them fans are banging garbage cans while the team takes batting practice uh, i know jose altuve was grazed by a pitch in a game yesterday but i saw the highlight it wasn't intentional you know so definitely going to be something to keep your eye on there and check out as things go forward uh and lastly got to give it a little bit of a happy birthday whose birthday is it um the limousine riding oh jet flying wheeling dealing kiss stealing son of a gun rick flair the happy, man, the myth, the legend. Happy birthday, Nature Boy. Turned 71 years young today. Wow. 16-time WWE champion, 8-time NWA champion, 6-time WCW champion, 2-time WWF champion. You know, just absolutely, at one point he claimed to be a 21-time champion. I would believe it. You know, 
It, arguably, rumor has it he's held every belt in every federation on the planet. So who knows how many times he's a champion. You know, but happy birthday to him. One of the best of all time to ever do it and really trailblaze. And really, I would say one of the first transcendent superstars that even if you weren't a wrestling fan, you knew who he was. Ric Flair is a larger than life personality. He has crossed over into pop culture. Everything from the Migos, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Ric Flair drip, if you really want to take it the most recently, how much yeah. he's crossed over. Uh, he has just been an icon in professional wrestling and outside the the woo. Uh-huh. You can hear everywhere that comes from him. Uh, everything he's done as a character in wrestling is just larger than life, and it just adds to the pageantry that is pro yeah. wrestling. Uh, so go if you really want to go t- take a dive down the YouTube well, just start searching old school Ric Flair promos yeah. and throw in the one against Jay Lethal just for fun. Oh, that's a good one too. I mean, anything from the, his WCW days is yeah. always, always, yeah. Uh, it's always an interesting trip down there. And even his WWE stuff is mm-hmm. amazing too. Ric Flair to be the man, you got to beat the man, and nobody's beating you yet, my friend. Happy, happy birthday from all of us here at the ODPH. So for my rounding the base, I'm uh, going to talk a little UFC action. Now, this past week was a fight night, UFC uh, 168. Uh, Main event was a very highly interested and contested fight between Dan Hooker and Paul Felder with Hooker getting the win. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you've seen the pictures online, uh, they went through a war. Yeah, that, that yeah. Was, I saw the photo of uh, the two of them in, uh, what was it, hospital bed stretcher looking things in a hospital after the fight, and my God. Yeah, it was no joke, uh, to say the least. It was very back and forth. You can make your opinion who won. Uh, I don't really struggle with Hooker getting the, the win on this one. It went very, very back and forth. Where he goes from here, though, is the interesting question, because he has called out two names, Okay, Justin Gaethje and Dustin Poirier. Okay. I think Poirier would make a lot of sense. They'll say Poirier makes more sense than Gaethje. He don't want nothing with Gaethje. No, nobody wants nothing with Gaethje. Everybody is running away from Gaethje, which for it, very good reasons. Well, you know, I I still say Gaethje should get the winner. Ferguson, Habib, which the poster is out. Sure, keep them both under bl- bubble wrap until fight day. They don't need to do any training because if this fight doesn't happen, don't this even time, don't even bring it into existence. Don't even give oh it. Don't even God. give it substance. I know, but I saw the poster. I'm like, okay, don't get my hopes up. Don't get my hopes up. Uh, Gaethje should be getting that winner, no questions asked. I don't. I don't give a, what Connor is doing with that. Connor should just fight Diaz and call it a day. That that's the fight we all know is going to happen. Just make it happen. Get it over with. But Hooker fighting Poirier makes a lot of sense to me. I think that that's what they should do. Will they do it? Nobody knows. And then this weekend, we are going to have a new flyweight champion. Ooh. Now, it was announced that Henry Cejudo, who was the champ champ, flyweight and bantamweight, is now going to defend the bantamweight title. He's now going to stay at 135 against Jose Aldo. Okay. Which uh, I don't really know how I feel about that. It, it's a name, uh, but you know my opinion about Aldo staying at 135. I think that's a bad weight class for him. I think Cejudo is going to run through him if he can, if, as long as he can avoid leg kicks. But this one is going to be Joseph Benavitez okay. taking on Davician Ferrito. Gesundheit. Yes, uh, which I hope I pronounce the name right. This, is, in my opinion, is Benavitez's to lose uh, yeah. because he is the best flyweight that is in the UFC since they got rid of Demetrius Johnson, right. which was still egregious. Egregious. It's egregious. They should never have gotten rid of DJ. But Benavidez has been a long time hovering around that title belt. Uh, I think he's going to pull it off this time. 
And then where we go from here with that division is anybody's guess. But, mm-hmm. but it should be a fun uh, little UFC fight night this weekend. And then the following week, we're talking pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. So we'll be talking about that on next week's show. The music you heard on this week's episode of the ODPH Sports Programming is at a Fair City Fire. There are friends from Austin, Texas. They're doing a lot of big moves. Pat, do you know about what's going on with them? Uh, no. Then you should definitely check out ochoduroparlayar.com slash music. You can find out all about what Fair City Fire is up to. You can also check out Shout at the Robots, who just had an amazing show this past weekend at Galaxy Brewing. If you were on our Instagram and Facebook stories, you definitely know what's going on with them. A very special episode, and Water Bears, who... Definitely, definitely brought the noise and brought the loud rock and roll to Saturday night at Galaxy. It was an awesome show. My ears are still ringing, but I'm taking that with a badge of honor. So to find out what's going on with Shout, Floodlands is playing this Friday night, too, as we're recording at Galaxy. They have a big show that's going on down there. You can find out all about Floodlands, Walking Distance, all the great music you hear on the ODPH podcast on ochoduroparlayar.com slash music. Second Suitor and Tom Jolu just got back from their tour, too. Got to give a quick shout-out to those guys as well. And on the on the webpage, you can also find out about Parlay Points, commentary blogs. You can find out the ODPH directory, which has links to Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming, who's going to be back on the ODPH sooner than later, working out the dates, too. In fact, he's asked us to appear on Off the Cuff for a, an episode pad. Ooh, okay. So we got to see how the schedules work out for that. Definitely want to make that happen. You can find links to Excite Wrestling, Photography by Mike Blakesley. You can find links to the Three Fat Nerds podcast. You can find Horizon 607, 8122 Productions pad. Uh-huh. The Patreon that is growing by leaps and bounds every single day. Okay. So Rich has got stuff cooking on there. Ron has stuff cooking on there. Which is never about. a good idea. Oh, no. You let them go. But the man, the myth, the legend, hashtag challenge accepted, hashtag too hot for Twitter, Mr. Diesel is coming out with more Love is Scary. Oh, God. The month of or month of March is going to feel like the month of October because it's going to feel like a fright fest in all the right ways because he's coming out with more Love is Scary. And he's rumor has it he might be doing some more going into April. Oh, God. Like we might be going weekly, folks. So to find out all that's going on there, sign up for the Patreon. $1 gets you in the door. $3 gets you a better seat at the table. And you can have all that content delivered right to you. Where do you find all about all this? On OchoDuroParlayHour.com. Shout out to Next Wave. Shout out to Pod Nation. And shout out to Hashtag 607 Podcast. Because that's all we got for this week. So, for the one and only Padawan Jay. Thank you, and Coach Calipari, still coaching Kentucky. For your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy, wherever he's at. Trying to get Charlie Weiss's autograph. Yo, Coach, Pad said that, not me. Because I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parley Hour. One of us will see you next time. (laughs) 